Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby and Kike podcast episode so- 479. Mitch, on the other side of Zoom, Charlie here with you. Another week, and we got a lot to talk about. We're going to look what going all in for the Brewers means. We're going to also talk about are people starting to wear thin with Aaron Rodgers, also importance rankings, on Packers, Jets, and then lastly, do you put any stock into the Bucks preseason? Any takes? I know we're going to do a longer NBA preview pod about the Bucks uh, that will drop early next week, so don't worry. Um, we haven't forgot about the Bucks. How could we forget about the Bucks? Mitch would not let me forget about the Bucks. Speaking of that, of the man, the myth, the legend, Mitch, what's happening? How are you doing? Yeah, it's that time of year for. Yeah, I man, mean, it's 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 snuck up a little bit on me, but. It's, uh, uh, you know, and we're, we'll talk about it, but I mean, yeah, the preseason kind of has gone, come and gone basically for the Bucks, right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's about to be go time. And right. if you believe some of the national media hype, Giannis is going to, going to start killing people. So, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see, but yeah, and this yeah. Is, otherwise doing good. Yeah. And this is like kind of the first really like, it's weird, but weird to say because it's been now a few years removed from COVID, but it's really feels like the first legitimate, normal NBA year where there's no real excuse anymore. There's no COVID year. There's no Olympics plus. It's like everything was normal as it could be. And so it'll be really interesting. And I, I'm excited to talk more about the Bucks and the NBA and teams that we'd like that we usually like to shit on on the show. Um, when it comes uh, for next week's show, but we have we'll still do a little bucks today, um, and that'll be exciting. And excited to uh, talk about the Brewers as the exit interviews have happened. Uh, most of the Brewers probably hanging out in Cancun already, uh, chilling out. But question is, is will what does going all in for the Brewers look like? And all in for the Brewers is far different from a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. San Diego Padres, the Atlanta Braves, the, you name it, right? A lot of teams that are in the playoffs have these massive, exorbitant payrolls. Now, according to SpotRack, the Brewers will have $39 million banked in uh, to start 2023, but they assume, uh, the same website assumes that the Brewers will get that up to $51 million. To basically be even, to be right at where the league average is, the Brewers would have to assess about a at 45 additional million dollars and really be around 90 million to 100 million. Now, a lot of people, including my podcast co host, doesn't believe that David Stearns or, or Mark Anasio, not David Stearns, would do such a thing. But if they were to go all in, there are options, there are things that they could do. And I guess I'll start here, Mitch. What What is like, the reasonable, like if you were talking to a fan that maybe was like a sell to team guy and really out on the Brewers, what do you think? What's kind of the moves, or what do you have to tell them? Be like, hey, let me level set with you and talk to you about how baseball economics work. Okay, well, I, I mean, so you're asking me. I, not, I wouldn't say. I'm I, asking, I wouldn't I'm say I'm, I'm all the way on on the sell the team type stuff. No, no, no. Uh, but, no, I'm saying what you would say to a person. I'm not saying yeah. you, you, you sell. I'm saying like, 
what is what are the moves that would it doesn't we don't have to talk about players, but like what are the moves? What are the type of things the Brewers could do that you go okay, like they're yeah. all in, they're they're going to be ready to be on the same level of the the teams we just mentioned. Well, I got you, and and you're kind of asking me to to defend the organization here, which is uh, yeah. which is <laughs> I know I look man tough it, right now yeah, um, and that's. See what you're doing here? We can, no, no, no. Listen, <laughs> no, listen, listen. No, I'm, listen. Just, I'm messing do, with you. We can do the inverse after. We can do the inverse after. Like, what is that? What is that disappointment? But yeah. let's. Well, I let's guess start first, first of all, I, I guess I have to think about what what do they have under contract? What's what's coming back? I think it's pretty Not similar to, to to what to what we just um, finished the year with, right? I mean, it, you have still have Burns and Hater or uh, Burns and Woodruff, not Hater, obviously. Nice. Burns, Burns and Hater. Yep. You have, you have um, your, basically your whole pitching staff is back. Your whole pitching which, staff. Which is, which is the strength of the team. Mm-hmm. And clearly, um, although they, you know, probably could use a little bit more, um, as always. I think you can never have enough pitching. Yeah. Um, we talked about that forever. And it's, you know, it's finally been a strength of the Brewers the last couple of years. And, um, you know, even, even there, I mean, you saw Burns was a little shaky in the second half after the all-star break, probably. Um, Woodruff was, was probably better in the second half of the season, but he was hurt a lot of the first half and right. it just shows you can, you can never have enough. And that's what David Stern said in his, in his exit presser that, you know, they're probably going to look at pitching. And, and you just, you just said that it, they would need to spend 45 million on top of what they spent this year to be at league average, if, if I yeah. remember that correctly. Yeah, what they have in the bank right now. And it would be, I think it'd be about a $10 million left to be on par with St. Louis Cardinals. Because I think you could sell, and I'll, I'll let you continue, but I think you could sell to the fan base, hey, we're spending almost the exact same money as the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that would be a really hard thing for those who bitch and moan and you know, all this stuff, like, it's like, guys, we're spending at the same level. We probably can't spend at the same level of the Cubs. If the Cubs who are right now around league average, if the Cubs decide to push their chips all in, which it, that would be like 150 million. So that'd be a, n- another additional 50 million on what the Cubs already are, are spending. That's the Cubs going all in. Um, and they could, um, I, I actually would, wouldn't be surprised. And so that makes it a little more, competitive for the Brewers and maybe that motivates them because I do think the Cubs are going to be aggressive whether it's Correa whether it's Xander Bogarts whether it's one of the pitchers available I think the Cubs are going to try to make a splash because I like they ended the year strong I think they have some nice pieces I would not be surprised if they try to make themselves a playoff team again next year yeah the Cubs I mean I think they've been very maligned by their fan base probably deservedly so I mean they you know, this isn't a Cubs podcast, but they've obviously um, they pulled the plug on their team pretty, pretty significantly. But in my opinion, that's the right way of doing things. So, I mean, for, for with with the Brewers, I mean, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to get a. Uh, well, a big name. Geez. You're not, you're I mean, not... I, I'm, I'm looking at them and it's kind of like just looking at the upcoming potential free agents. It's massive. Uh, free agent. Some of these some of these guys. We'll probably go back to their their teams and and whatnot, but you know you can pretty much. I wouldn't even want David Price um, or Chris <laughs> Sale, 
Right. Uh, shit, maybe not even Jacob deGrom at this point. I mean, the guy's 30, they're going to be 35. Um, but those guys you can pretty much just forget. And, you know, I, I think David Stearns is, is, is okay at, at finding value, um, which is obviously um, a, a good attribute to have in a small market, as we've been discussing. It's, you know, as I sit here and watch the Phillies and Braves on, on TV, it's kind of like, even those teams. I mean, but you know, I think for the Brewers, you can probably start by being aggressive at the deadline, but I mean, that's, you know, but we, we, I guess you'd have to see where you are halfway through the season. Um, I I could see a a kind of a middle of the rotation starting pitcher for the Brewers that um, can, can kind of solidify things because you've got Burns, Woodruff, Lauer, I assume our, our locks, Freddie, I would think is, is going to be a starter again. Yep. I, I think that, that, that bullpen stuff was, was out of necessity and, yeah. and situation. You could, you could sign Adrian Hauser for $4 million, bring him back, but not mm. as a starter. I think that to me would be the move. And you yeah. people forget how good Adrian Hauser was as a bullpen guy. And I really don't think Adrian Hauser could maybe make it as a starter elsewhere. Like maybe a team like the Nationals who are still years away from contending again, maybe he could go pitch there and pitch on a just a meaningless team. But I don't know if that's what Adrian Hauser wants. God bless him. Take the money, grab the bag. But if he wants to still be on a postseason contending team, like, yeah, he's probably a sixth starter. And that would be a good problem to have because if the injuries, like you mentioned earlier, happen again, then you have that backup guy. And if it is like a Nathan Eovaldi who mm-hmm. projected at like 16 million, I don't really like Jamison Tyon. I, I I watched him in person. I wasn't that impressed, but he, I mean, he was a first overall pick. I, you could sell me on it. Um, Tyler Anderson, is it a fluke year with what he did with the Dodgers this year? Or is Tyler Anderson an actual good pitcher? I liked a lot of what Michael, Michael Walker did this year for Boston familiarity with with the NL central too, with his time with the St. Louis Cardinals. Like those are the kind of guys I think you're referring to, right? Yeah. I, we took, we did talk briefly about Evaldi before we started recording and you know, that would be, <laughs> that's probably out, even out of the, the brewer's price price range. I would imagine probably, um, yeah. at this point, it's, it's at a, a projection of 16 million. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what he gets. Maybe he takes a longer deal for, for less an, annual money. Um, but I don't know, maybe you're probably looking a little lower, like, ah, you're not getting Aaron Nola. Um, Manaya is not very, not great. I, I, you know, I said, like, God, there's just, I'm trying to think of a Taiwan Walker would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but he, he's had, I mean, this is the first year he stayed healthy. I mean, that's, true. Uh, that's been the bug with Taiwan Walker. Okay. Do, let's do it. Do you want Adam Wainwright or not? He's 41 years old. No. Uh, I think he's I too old. I think there'd be way too much Jeff Subban stuff that you'd get out of that. Like, I just think that that would be the bad. That would not be the message to send to the fan base. That would be hilarious to piss off Cardinals fans with that one. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, he's old. And then you have a, a tweet thread, I think it was today, Yeah, about yeah. how he, he didn't catch, uh, you know, he had a, his mechanics got fucked up after he got a hit a got hit by a comebacker and he didn't catch it in time and he he blamed the the postseason failure on himself and all that and 
um, which is, you know, a predictable move. But yeah. I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, for him to take the blame like that. And yeah, he I guess he hasn't committed to whether or not he's going to retire, but it does kind of seem like he probably should. But who am yeah. I to talk? Right. Um, so I, I don't know. Probably, probably not. I mean, I will say that the Brewers are always good for a nice reclamation project. Um, yeah. I don't know. Michael Lorenzen. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzen, Lorenzen got hurt like for a, a majority of the year, but he had some nice moments, um, was good at home this year, really struggled on the road. He was a full-time starter this year too. It wasn't a reliever thing for him or hitting right. like it was full-time pitcher. You know, they've done the Jordan Lyles dance, what, twice? Um, mm-hmm. uh, third, I think there is a player option that's Lyles, I, or a club option, but I don't imagine the Orioles would pay Lyles $11 million. I would have paid Lyles $11 million. Matt Boyd, that's another reclamation project. Like, he's been out, he hasn't played pitched, I think, in two years because of, like, shoulder shit and other stuff. But Matt Boyd, I believe, was an all-star in, like, 2019. With the uh, Detroit Tigers? Yeah, he was – I don't know if he's an all-star, but he was certainly um, an up-and-coming pitcher. I know that, you know, some years ago. and it's. But he's only 32. He's going to be 32. Yeah. So that's not horrible. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see something like that. You know, just something to provide a little extra. Again, yeah. I do – I don't mind your idea of Adrian Hauser coming back for a modest salary to – try to figure it out in the bullpen. I think he throws really hard. He probably does profile more as a reliever. Um, and especially, you know, walks being an issue and stuff like that and starts. And, you know, I guess it does scare you a bit because it seemed like he couldn't get out of the first inning ever. And that's, yeah. well, you know, okay. so like you're coming, you're coming out of the bullpen and, and right away in the first inning, every night you're throwing 45 pitches. Some of and, the some of the smart, not to interrupt, but like some, some of the smart Brewer Twitter people have said that Hauser's focused way too much on his sinker. And I, if you heard Jeff Passan last week with Ryan Marcello, he talks about how a lot of these bullpen guys now, it's just like one pitch. And it's just one pitch that you're really good at. And some of it, they do it with starters, but it's a lot of bullpenners where it's just you're really throwing that one pitch and you're making it work. And there's some numbers that show, like, he was really good with his fastball. He should be using his fastball more. And, like, I don't know if that's something that Chris Hook looks at and says, okay. Like, they talk to Adrian. They're like, we can get you back to 2021, 2019, Adrian Hauser, and get you fucking paid next year. That, I think, would be the the hope for Adrian Hauser is that he takes a flyer deal to get a little extra money the year after. The classic show me. Uh, prove it deal, right? right. That's that, that's the that's the buzzword, right? Um, no yeah. doubt. I, so I could, I could see it. So in these, so to keep with our theme, and we'll go to hitting next, but to go all in, I think that that the problem is, and this is where like fan ba- fans are so fickle, and like none of those are splash names. But I, I I really I really think that if if they're smart Brewer fans, they don't have to they don't have to agree with me. If they're smart, they should see that building pitching depth is going to help in the long run and know that it matters and understand that even if you don't know the name that well, it doesn't mean that he can't help the team and can't make, make the team better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's all about depth and, and just can, can guys perform, you know, when, when necessary. Right. I mean, look at, 
look at the Mariners. I know that they had a an awful loss um, on on Tuesday night, but you know their lineup wasn't the greatest. I, th- I think their pitching was probably more their strength, and you know they've scored a bunch of runs in the postseason. So right, um, you know, you yeah, just, it seems you, like you never Cal, know what happens. It seems like Cal Raleigh has a hit every fucking time he's at the at the bat. So yeah. if we move if we move to the the batters. It's that to me is the more interesting nut to crack with the Brewers because, as you mentioned, there are a lot of guys back. You also have the factor of there are four outfielders ready and waiting in AAA, whether it's uh, Weimer, Mitchell, well, Mitchell's off, but Ruiz and Sal Freeland. So, what do you do about that? And the first thing that stands out to me is that they get packaged in a deal and you get a power bat at third base where Luis Urias, well, I understand he has, he's a fan favorite. A lot of people like him. I think that's where you upgrade. And I think that to me, that to me is the closest thing to where the fan base buys in and says, okay, they're all in if they move some of those guys. But I swear to God, if the same motherfuckers are like, I can't believe we traded Sal Freelick and Astori Ruiz for X, Y, and Z. Like, that's the fucking shit that drives me crazy. It's like, what do you want then? Like, do you just want to be mad all the time? Because that's what I think you're, you're well, going with. I mean, it but, is, yeah. It is, yeah. People want to be mad all the time. Well, I think Urias goes to second. I think Colton Wong is, is, is you know, Hopefully in Hawaii right now and never coming back to Milwaukee as far as yeah, I'm concerned. Mahalo, I mean, he mahalo, was, mahalo, my friend. Um, he was all right. He was all right. He was a decent brewer, but I just think it's, you know, a two-year deal is plenty, and that's fine. Then you move Arias to second, which I think is more of his natural position. And then, yeah, I, I would love – I would, and, and you're not trading all four of those guys no. right? in, in a contract no, or in, in a deal for a, for a third you're tra- baseman. You're trading two, like – I, and I don't know, I'd have to look and we maybe could do this as a follow-up, but like to me, like the Eugenio Suarez trade with Jesse Winker last year is a perfect example of something the Brewers could do that would be signifying all-in. That would be an all-in move to be like, all right, we're going to assume some money and we're going to sign these guys. Yeah. or And also maybe not care so much about positional flexibility. Like, the White Sox have already made it known that Jose Abreu is not coming back. I would fucking love Jose Abreu. I yeah. realize that he does not have the positional flexibility and that him and Rowdy are pretty similar. But guess what? Abreu and then Telez or Telez then Abreu in a lineup is going to be really fucking hard to deal with. And I understand it's slow, but guess what? Figure that out in October. I really don't give a fuck. And... I don't know. I'm just kind of, I, I, that's kind of how I feel is like, I think when, if you really want to go all in, you start to find some of your norms, you know, I, they don't have the criticisms of going all in because they want a title, but like the move the bucks made about running guys off threes and things like that this off season. And I get it. It's like, let's wait and see and see if it actually happens. But to me that that's, that's that kind of all in shit that I don't necessarily know if we've seen with the brewers in the last three years. So instead of like messing around with these, you know, playing Arias at third base and, right. and kind of, you know, sort of, sort of find a, a consistent lineup, I yes. guess is what, and yes. that's, and instead of, you know, but I mean, that, that would be, yeah, that would be kind of like the, the, the three point defense 
that'd be a seemingly large uh, shift in organizational thinking, which I think 100%. would be very, very welcome. And Jose Abreu would be, would be awesome. Um, I agree. He's on the older side, but again, I, I don't see why he, why you couldn't get him for one year, 10 million, 12 million. I mean, a right. former MVP, you know, he's, he's maybe he gets more than that. I don't know. Maybe. His a, his AAV projected is 9.1 million. So you're right on. Oh, oh wow. Well, look at that. I'm, I'm pretty smart after all. Um, <laughs> Sign but, you up. I mean, yeah. So if you're looking at it, like, I think, I think Rowdy is, I, I don't, he probably has several years of team control yet for mm-hmm. all I know. Right. Um, I, I think he had a tremendous season. I'm perfectly fine with welcoming, well, welcoming him back. Um, you add a Bray to the mix that drops Rowdy even further to like the five spot you know, regularly. Um, and then if, you know, you could add, you know, Yelich, I think is pretty, pretty set at the leadoff. I think that was, I'm not going to call it um, a rousing success, but I think it, you found a way to maximize what he's good at, mm-hmm. at, at the, at this time. And Stearns even mentioned, you know, Yelich that he, he thinks he could hit a, a different level, you know, offensively, but I mean, he's done nothing but basically go the other way the last couple of years. So we'll see yet, but you know, Yelich at one or two, I think is, is in the lineup is pretty set in stone. And, you know, if you could find a decent three hitter that could happen to play third base in a trade, I don't have a list of, but you know, trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. Um, it's hard. We'd have like, to, we'd have to, it almost is a follow-up because you'd have to go through all these tanking teams that are well, not not contending. What about like I don't know, Ryan McMahon, somebody like that okay. from yeah. from from Colorado? Are they like to trade people? Yeah, um, the only the only worry with Colorado guys is just how much of that. I'd have to look at Ryan McMahon's home road, but I I don't mind that idea. I think that's not a bad one. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna try to get that for you because I also want to see his uh, um, contract because I think they did they lock him up recently. Mm, you never know with Colorado. Colorado, Colorado does things that just defy logic. Like they, right, which is which is why I brought him up because whether they did or not, it is kind of irrelevant. You know, they also just paid Chris Bryant for some reason, so they're they're stuck with him. You're um, right. They just paid him six year, seventy million dollar deal. So I, I, yeah, it would be. Not I even like that it. Bad. It's not a bad deal. Um, and yeah, it's a. He just signed it. Um, in tw- and he's twenty seven. Uh, McMahon's home road. Let me pull that. It's pretty significant. Oh, is it? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, for his career, he's a two two seventy average <laughs> at home and a two fifteen on the road. Ah, oh. um, <laughs> it's all right. Well, this will be homework for us. We don't have to do it next week or the week after. But this will this is a good like off season brewer content that we can we can refer back to. But yeah, I think I and the other guy that I'd want to throw out there to consider is Bryce Trang. Like I, I think Bryce Trang could take Luis Urias' second base spot. And if not, he's a guy that they played a little bit at third base this year. I think his natural position is shortstop. I know Willie did not really miss games this year, but if you have that guy that sort of if Trang's a utility guy this year for you. And next year, 2024, that is, then that's the year of Terang, if not sooner. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I am, I'm cool with that. And the la- and the other thought, too, about trading the guys, is, as you mentioned, like, it's not all of them. The other thing you got to consider is Jackson Trio is probably up in 2024. 
So you got to make sure that there's a spot for him. And if that means getting better by moving on from some of those prospects, so be it. Like, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, that you're going to have to clear the log jam at some point and, you know, you're, you're stuck with the outlets for a while and yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's two other outfield spots. Uh, Hunter Hunter Renfro, I think has one more year of arbitration. Mm-hmm. So I would, well, I would imagine he's back. I don't know though. Um, the other, the other one to watch is, and there's not much available is catcher, just because the Brewers haven't really. There is, they haven't got, they didn't get much out of catcher this year. Omar Nervais was pretty average. He's a free agent next year too. Um, Victor Carantini, I know a lot of people liked, but look at Victor Carantini's second half, and then come talk to me. Um, there's not a lot there. The cupboard is bare. Besides Wilson Contreras, I like, I like Carantini as a backup. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, He's a switch Manny hitter. Pena, Manny Pena, you know, basically a young Manny Pena. Fine. I'm good yeah. with that. I mean, if, if he wants to stay for a couple more years or something on a reasonable deal to be a backup, he can play a little first if, if he absolutely had, had to. Although in this in this fantasy scenario we're we're laying out where you have Jose Abreu as well, yeah. you probably don't you probably don't need him to play first at all, I wouldn't imagine. But um you know, I'm just saying that he, he does have some versatility uh he's not just any a solid pinch hitter um so i feel like basically him and narvaez kind of cancel each other out um you know omar was really good in 2021 right but um yeah he was an all-star wasn't he yeah he was an all-star and so i mean he's got got that resume a little bit but um uh, yeah he was he was kind of in and out. He had a COVID, I think, issues uh, in 2022 as well for, for a bit there. Maybe he was hurt and then got COVID, and I think it, that, that's how it went. Um, so kind of a kind of a weird year for Narvi. Um, you know, I don't know if – I don't I don't need to see him go, but um, you could probably upgrade there. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and it's also another guy, though, you could do the, the same thing with what we talked about with Hauser to start the show, like – you could basically say to him, like, hey, look, come back on a pretty cheap contract and see if you can get back to your all-star strength and try to cash out. You know, that's that's the other thing. So, um, yeah. real, real quick before we go to football, because we need to, uh, I'm watching the same game you are, Braves, Braves Phillies. Kyle Wright might look like the most Southern pitcher that I've ever seen, and just his hair is, like, perfect, like, southern frat boy like looks like yeah. he's ready to just hit a kegger at chai fi for uh alabama tennessee this weekend mm-hmm. i mean come on dude. like look like a fucking athlete one time for me looks like he's on the mound at um smu or something yeah i think he went to vanderbilt i think he he, oh, went, he, he went to, which makes sense right they all like did. it all it all aligns it all aligns if you um, if you're watching a major league baseball game the, the chances are the pitcher on the mound at that current time went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. Vanderbilt. We also have uh, a lot of Arizona state occasionally, not as much anymore. Arizona state used to be I'm trying to think of other big ones. Uh, LSU. You have a lot Texas. of Texas. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Miami. Miami used to be huge. Like in the 2000s, oh, yeah. all oh, the yeah. like the Ryan, Ron, Ron, A-Rod, Yasmani Grandal went to Miami. Yeah. Um, bunch of people 
I and then last last thought about the playoffs. I like look. I'm not saying anything political, and I don't really care. But like the chop looks so fucking stupid. Like I I, I would feel like such an idiot at the stadium doing the goddamn chop. Like I yeah. just what being a grown man doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like have some respect. Like you, it's kind of similar to the. Kind of similar to like the school chant at, at the Minnesota games. And yeah. it's like, you know, just have some pride. Grow up, Peter Pan, Count Chocula. Well, that's how I feel about people who are cheese heads. But uh, I know, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. I don't, I, you're not going to. And gonna... I was trying to think like, if you're like at a Bucks game, that'd be like, what are they going to do? Like make us put up our antlers or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Fear the deer. Maybe do like the Giannis crown or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about those bucks a little later before we do. You mentioned cheese heads. I was ready to go right in that transition. And then you had to mention the bucks. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so Green Bay Packers, it's been an interesting week. Um, I think the freak out from last week, uh, kind of hit hyperdrive after losing to the New York giants. Aaron Rodgers said to the media today that he feels very confident that they're right around the corner. That this is the time of year where they get hot and there are, there are some signs where if green Bay hit a couple more big plays, you could argue are the pieces by Ben Solak of the ringer, which is really good. Like I recommend he sent it to like three group chats to year on. So I'm sorry for that. Uh, but it's, it's an awesome read. It's a fantastic read on what's wrong with Packers. And I agreed with 75% of it. I, he was like, they're not talented enough on offense. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think if the Dobbs play against New England happens and the Watson play in Minnesota happen, are we are we talking about worried about the Packer offense? I, I don't know. Um, that's a that but that those are the what ifs that exist in sports. We all we have them in every every team. But I was starting to wonder were people starting to wear thin on Aaron Rodgers now. We know the COVID stuff, that has been a thing, and that's not really what I'm referring to, but that took away some of the fan base. There are some fans who really had a hard time with that, and that's their opinion. I think it's a little ridiculous, but I I get it. And now I think there is now another section of fans where I am starting to put myself in. I wouldn't say I'm fully in. I'd say maybe I'm dipping my toes in where I'm just – wondering if Aaron Rodgers is not actually running the offense the way it's supposed to. And I, and I'm wondering if I'm, if that's like, if I'm seeing things, I had another buddy in a group chat today kind of say the same thing. So I'm not like, am I going crazy here, Mitch? Or do you feel like this, that sentiment is growing with pack fans? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, I don't think you're wrong. I'm seeing that I, I well, how do I say this? I, I've been seeing that, but I think that it's starting to get to the point where it's maybe not such a hot take mm. that, um, yeah. you know, you know I what I mean? Those. Like, yeah, like no, it's, I, no, 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 you're like, right. Like it's easy for a, a pinhead, if you will, to fly off the handle uh, week one and say, Rogers, or this team would be better with Jordan Love. But then it's like, as, as you get a more of a sample, um, some things happen, there's more disappointment, stuff like that. You know, you start to kind of wonder yourself, what it would be like now we only have with Jordan love. We have what the one game to go off of yep. against a Super Bowl contending team. You know, it wasn't exactly the greatest situation to be dumped into. Um, 
and that sample wasn't wasn't fan, wasn't great by by any means, but they were in the game um, against the Chiefs. Of course, that's what I'm referring to from yes. last year. Mm-hmm. But so they were in the game, but you know, so we don't really know, and we probably won't know until Rogers maybe decides ever. to. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe ever. ever. I mean, Rogers. Rogers has talked about you know wanting to be here long term, and I also will ask you this question: Do you think that Geno Smith is kind of clouding people's judgment? Because we're seeing what Geno Smith's doing for Seattle. And Seattle now out without Russ, Russell Wilson. The offense hasn't really looked better. And now they have Geno Smith. They're cooking. And it's like, is this was this how Russell Wilson was supposed to run the offense two or three years ago? And this is what it could have been for Russell Wilson. I mean, it might. I mean, Geno does look pretty good. I don't think anybody expected him to look this good. And it does kind of make you wonder, like, if if a quarterback just sort of does what they're supposed to do and makes a play when when needed, um, you know, is able to to just be competent back there. Um, is that all you need, as opposed to a Rogers, um, a Patrick Mahomes, I, you know, Tom Brady? I guess I know this year hasn't been great, but you know, no, historically, yeah, yeah no, historically, there's, Tom there's Brady is. Is able to you know go above and beyond, um, but you know it, 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 I don't maybe part of it with Rodgers is like he doesn't have like the mobility and like the magic that he used to have maybe you know like like so yeah. much of like Patrick what Patrick Mahomes does is literally just like schoolyard bullshit and like yeah um, it looks fantastic and and you know Chris Collinsworth creams himself on the broadcast and, <laughs> oh, and all that but it oh. but like part of me is like. Well, that was so fucking stupid. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it, that's just like, that's just like pure, like I pu- pulled that out of my ass. And like, I don't know if Rogers is really able to, I, I don't know if it's that he doesn't want to, or he, you know, he's trying to make everything look, look pretty, but it's like, maybe he just doesn't have that at this point in his career, you know, at, at age 38. I mean, maybe, maybe he just, just doesn't have that sort of ability to, to bail the team out on a, on a third and eight, you know, against Dallas or something where he scrambles and is able to throw across his body 40 yards downfield. It just doesn't seem like, and maybe part of it too is just the lack of chemistry so far with, with the, with the receiving group. Yeah. Um, and I'm know, glad. But, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the lack of chemistry part, because I do think like at some point Rogers needs to pull the bandaid off and Rogers just needs to say, fuck it. And, and I don't know if that's a conversation with Matt LaFleur or that's a conversation with himself. But Rodgers has to be like, look, I might throw a couple more interceptions because I'm throwing to rookie wide receivers. I have to accept that. I don't have to lock in on Randall Cobb or Mercedes Lewis or Alan Lazard. Like him saying like Lazard and Lewis need to be a little more involved in game plan McAfee. I don't mind that he said that about Lazard. I get significant pause with Mercedes Lewis. I like big dog, (laughs) but like, come on, man. Like that's yeah. when I start to say, all right, are is it just hey, let's throw to guys Aaron Rodgers likes, or is it we're throwing to everybody and everybody's getting involved? That that kind of struck a nerve, and that kind of brought on this topic because I was like, all right, man, like you're off to one of your worst starts of your career. Shit's not going right. Like figure it the fuck out and figure out what you need to do. And that part to me is some of that is trusting what Matt LaFleur is putting in front of you. And maybe like, 
a wide open Mercedes Lewis for a touchdown on a great play call was not a great <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I mean, as we've seen it so many times when we talk about the Packers, man, as you know, if we get frustrated with them and we have a whole conversation about it, it can change in two weeks. Like we could be adding in to that Bills game and all of a sudden, because they played the Jets and the Commanders. Now the Jets sneaky. All right. Um, I, I still think like, that's one of those things that you could, you could be like, okay, I'm all in now heading into the bills and seeing what happens come the bills, which is a massive game. And one that I think all of us are looking forward to in in a lot of ways, even if the bills look like the scariest team in football. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to look quite a bit better. I think before you, uh, before you go to Buffalo um, for for me to feel that optimistic about, about, about what's going to happen that day. Totally. I mean, look, first of all, number one, that's scheduled loss. Number two, I think we all, yeah, it is. We we all need to be rational on Twitter that day. I realize I'm asking for a lot, but like, we all need to like, it's a, I might have to have a PSA honestly, and just be like, like you like understand who you're playing, understand your opponent, understand the environment. Like this is not an easy game. Like we all need to just keep our composure here and not just have wild takes. Now we get embarrassed. If we get our ship pushed in, then yeah, hellfire and brimstone, but let's at least wait to see if it happens. Well, that makes me think of this past weekend when the Steelers were there and I don't know. I don't know if I, I looked up the Steelers on Twitter. I, I like doing that sometimes with teams oh, yeah. just, just to see uh, how, yes. you know, mainly rival teams, but like I thought it would be a good time to check out Steelers Twitter. Jim and, Polzine, real quick, Jim Polzine after Badgers losses is also, it's great. Um, for sure. Always, and, and, he, and it's it's kind of similar to what I saw with the Steelers because, you know, Steelers are not good. And, no. you know, what, what was going to happen in that game did happen. And there was – there was, you know, a lot of some Steeler fans who are, you know, a very proud fan base, much like the Packers. Yeah. And but they're just not good. And I, I think they're, you know, they're not used to to not being good. But there were there was just there were some rational fans in there that were like, look, we suck. Like this is what's this is this is what was gonna happen. And I don't know, when you said a PSA, it's just kind of what I thought of. But yeah, might yeah, have to, that's that that that's that's a big game for sure. And, might, you know. might have to put a script together. I've I've had a couple good skit ideas here. Um and I don't know if I'm the one to act them. I might need to hire somebody, mostly just Doobie McGee, um, to do it. But yeah, I think I think that might be needed, man. But anyways, important rankings, which we do every every week, kind of our weekly segment, um, which is nice. Probably need to create a weekly segment for the box, which we'll we'll try to cook up some ideas for. Um, in terms of you know who is the most important Packers and or and or Jets players um, in the game, also could be d- different units, different things about the game. And I think I went first last time, and we ripped through them a little more time. Mitch, who who do you put at the top of your table as like the most important thing to the Packers' success against the New York Jets on oh. Sunday? I mean, I was probably, I'm probably going to, I'm going to go with Joe Barry here. I think that number one and maybe just the defense in general, I think maybe, you know, we talked last week about Rogers having a get right game, a breakout game for the season. And it looked like it was happening in the first half again, but Mm -hmm. you know, they're, 
they're seeming to have, you know, the team in general is having trouble at halftime, whereas the other team seems to make adjustments and the Packers are kind of shitty on both sides of the ball in the second half pretty much every week. Now, I tried to look up the Giants' rushing numbers and from last week. Only 125 yards, four yards of carry. I think that's pretty pretty average. I think you'd probably live with 125 yards on the ground. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know what the specific answer is on the Packers' defense. Um other than staying they just, healthy. They just need they just need to play play with a little more piss, man. They need to play with a little more like like yeah, we are one of the best defenses in in the NFL. Yeah, it's time to, time to show it. And I feel like I feel like you have an opportunity here with the Jets. Yes. Um you know, they put up 40 points in the Dolphins, but that game was and you know, when you said the Jets are okay. I mean, yeah, it was nice to see them get, you know you start to feel bad for teams after a while. And it's nice to see them get a, get a big win against a divisional opponent in the dolphins, but the dolphins lost Bridgewater. What? Like first series first series. And, and it, it can really, you know, kind of take a win out of a team's sales, especially with all the shit that the dolphins have gone through the last few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, it's like, I think, yeah, it's time for Joe Barry and the Packers defense to kind of assert themselves, I, you know, the Jets had what four rushing touchdowns yeah. last week. No, and, they have a very you know, good run. They have a good running attack with Brees Hall and Mike. Brees Hall's been good. I know that he Brees Hall was a ton of hype after getting drafted. He was great in college and you know had a pretty lengthy career at Iowa State. Wasn't good in the preseason, so people kind of cooled off on him. And you know he's been fine. I mean, it's just it, it's just time. I mean, don't don't Darius Slayton looked like Jerry Rice at times yeah. um, on Sunday in London and. You know, it's like, again, I talked about it before the season. It's like they have the talent on defense. It's just, it's time to like, and it's got, but you got to be able to do it. If not want, every week, most weeks. Do you want to guess what the passer rating is against crossing patterns this year for the Green Bay Packers? Oh God, I don't even know. 150? <laughs> 134, according to Ben Solak. Um, yeah. That's... And, that, and that goes back to coaching because it's like, right. you sit in the zone all day and what do you think is going to happen? It's they make an adjustment, too, it's and, way and you're too, not adjusting back. It's way too passive. They need to come out with some hot piss, and they need to deliver. They need to deliver on it, and I'm I definitely definitely hope that's the case. And are they like um, are they not blitzing very much? No, not no. They're blitzing early, but not really. It's like it's kind of Solak covers. Like I, I hate to keep referring back to it, but it's such a good piece because they just. It summed up everything that I think all pack friends have been thinking about. And you sign to see a piece mailed on Twitter, but basically they're sending like five guys early on, but they're not really blitzing on third down. Um, I saw a suggestion from Pete Bukowski about, you know, just letting Quay Walker roam and not really putting Quay Walker in a zone, which I kind of like that idea um, too. So yeah, I don't know. Just yeah. do some different shit. I think, I think if the Packers were to, even if the game was close, and they won, but you saw some different shit in terms of their defense. I think you come away with that feeling pretty damn good. And then yeah. maybe your focus is more on the offense. My number two, my second is Alan Lazard. Sauce Gardner, legitimate cornerback. Sound, looks like maybe defensive rookie of the year. Like Sauce is a monster. This is the first real test for Alan Lazard as wide receiver number one. And I will be very curious to see how he does with it. 
Now, Tampa, you could argue maybe they had some guys too um, at the corner position, but I feel like Sauce is the first real corner that could potentially give Lazard some fits. Um, I know he's a rookie. I would imagine Aaron Rodgers has a few tricks up his sleeve to kind of get the rookie, especially early on. I think that's some stuff that Rodgers has done in the past that has worked out. But if you're that number one guy, like you need to help out your quarterback and you need to make yourself available, make yourself open. And hopefully that's something Alizar can do against a very good jet secondary. Whatever happened to like a 85 yard slant pattern, you know, that just, that just, but like on the first play of the game, I feel like that used to happen all the time. Yeah. 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 They loved that. That was one they loved, especially slant. It was a slant route. You're in the eye formation. You just hit that really quick and you see if Greg you can break the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it back. Let's, let's have it. All right, Mitch. Yeah, wrap I, up. Oh, go ahead. I would say that that'll, that'll keep sauce garden on his, on his toes. Oh, I think there's going to be a double. I will predict that there will be a double move on sauce Gardner in the first 10 plays of the game. I think that's in the script that they're going to try to get sauce to bite on something. And he gets him with a pump fake and Lazard could be sprinting down the field for a touchdown. I could, could easily be, see that see that early on in the game. Could it be Christian Watson again? No, be... I uh, yeah maybe. Well, he's a hamstring. Christian yeah. Watson, man, gotta stay well, healthy. Yeah, um, you, got, you got that, and also don't give him a you know an end around, please. Um, yeah, you know we, we kind of we we know that we move. get it. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, he's going back to the dice move. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Like that's kind of right. it, right? So, well, man. somewhat related to take us home. I'll, I'm going to go AJ Dillon. Um, yeah. Didn't do shit last week. Um, you know, really the, the run game in general has, was, was <laughs> 94 yards in the ground last week. Um, I, it didn't even seem like they got enough, enough opportunities to get that many yards. But again, Aaron Jones is, is gashing AJ Dillon almost six yards of carry, but only six carries. Um, I don't know. I, I just, as a as a fantasy owner of of AJ Dillon, I was uh, going to ask this question. <laughs> that team is is winless on the season, as you might imagine, because <laughs> for the first time in my life, I have Aaron Aaron Rodgers and AJ Dillon, and and what's going on here? It's it's time for for AJ Dillon to get to get involved, and um, because it's just again, like no, I agree. If, no, if, if you if you play within the scheme of of what Matt Lafleur is trying to do who has, you know, LaFleur continues to just take, you know, take the firing squad at these press conferences. Oh, God. Matt LaFleur. The stories Matt LaFleur is probably telling to his wife right now. Like, oh, yeah. can you, you imagine, like, and, you know, Mitch is single, for those who don't know. He's, he's available, ladies. So if you the lady listeners interested. But <laughs> I, for those who are, are in relationships, whether it's a wife or girlfriend, fiance, when you live your like they hear so much and you just bitch them more. So sometimes on the other side, sometimes you hear it from your wife and like, you know, every little bit of work drama, like you are involved, like, you know, you're like, yeah, fuck that girl. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> but like, that's probably what Matt LaFleur's wife's doing, doing right now. Oh, like probably. I feel bad. Like she is, he's probably just motherfucking Rogers when he gets home. Like there oh, is no I doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I gotta believe that because, you know, it, it does seem like, you know, you saw, uh, you know, case in point, AJ Dillon, you know, um, in the final series for the Packers offense, you know, how many times did they pass the ball? 
when all they needed was was a couple yards, you know, at a crack. And it's like, man, yeah, he's got to be checking out. You got to be checking out his right. calls. Yeah, exactly. Just run the rock with AJ a couple times. Let him wear down the defense too. I think that gets kind of lost in the shuffle. Is like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers didn't need to play hero ball heading into the fourth quarter. Like, why not a screen? Like, where the fuck were at? Like, that was the thing that drove me crazy about last week was, like, where was the screen against the blitz? Like, that to me, that's, like, common fucking football where it's, like, all right, if they're blitzing, send a screen because guess what? That stops people from blitzing. Um, You know, quick swing route, uh, pitch route, sorry, a pitch play, excuse me, not a route. Like, any of that, yeah, I would like AJ Dillon to get more involved. I do agree that it seems like the era of playing the two guys together is over. Um, if you look at the, st- the stats, it's been pretty ugly when they're both on the field at the same time. Now, you could argue, is that a small sample? I don't know. Um, I think I think we'll have to wait and see. But but they still they have to get a little more creative with it. And we'll see if they're able to do that. And I, I think Dylan is a Dylan's a nice choice. Um, last, last Packer thing before we go to the Bucks and ride us out. What do you think about the fifties jerseys? They're going to be rocking those on Sunday. Do you like them? Do you, are you indifferent? How do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I kind of like those ones with, with, with the green or the, with the stripes on the side mm-hmm. on the shoulders. All right. Um, those are probably my favorite. Are they going with, uh, okay. I see now. Yep. All is just a, a solid yellow helmet. Yeah, they can't do – so I don't know why. They're able to change their helmets these year, this year. Like, the Patriots went to the Patriot Pat. Like, they're able to change your helmet, but they're going to go with the all-yellow. So I I don't know why, but that's that's a choice by them. Yeah, I like those. I don't really like the Acme Packer ones. I think they're kind of – those are kind of plain, but I'm cool with, with these. Um, yeah, I mean, they're different, but – I do like the yellow pants, the classic yellow pants on their normal uniforms, but um, I'll make an exception. I like these. I'm cool with these. Yeah, they look they look nice. It's a good good little change of pace. I'll be curious to see if they ever try to go with like a real real weird wild alternate. I don't think they ever will. Um, I think fans, it would be a bridge too far for the pinheads. Well, I think even like the all white. Oh, I love the all white. The all white too, are, but the all white that, that's sexy. a little. A little too much, too much out there for some people. Uh, is it really? No, I don't know. Ah, I'm just, I'm just talking out of my ass. But yeah. I do like the all whites. You talk out of your ass. <laughs> um. Anyways, moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. They're wrapping up preseason. I think they lost or they're losing currently uh, to the Brooklyn Nets as we tape, and they're going to have another pretty woeful preseason. I think this will now be one in twelve. Um, in the last like four years, three years, something like that. And does any of it matter? Is there anything you can take away from preseason and be like, yeah, let's let's put a tickler file on that? Or is it all just kind of, yeah, we'll we'll just wait and see after the first five games, then we'll then we'll have conversation on the podcast about it. Yeah, I don't think it matters. As, as much as I I want to see them win and I want to get angry, um, it's hard to just because. Well, the schedule makers fucked us in preseason. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no question about that. Um, you know, have to go to Abu Dhabi to play two games. Um, basically get rolled there, both those games. You know, Giannis had to play for Greece, and so now he's not going to 
play really at all in the preseason. And he played a little bit against Brooklyn here, but they played nobody against Chicago on, on Tuesday night. Um, I think it was the bottom, literally the bottom eight guys on the roster played. And, you know, so I don't know. You, you, you can't take a ton. You just can't. No. Um, I think it's, it's more of a yes. Let's wait and see the first couple of weeks. What's it looking like? Are there, are some of these, you know, the defense has been atrocious in preseason um, uncharacteristically, but perhaps characteristically because they, as we've highlighted before, I mean, they've, they took a step back last year defensively. Um, I don't know. They just, they don't have a ton of athleticism. I will say that outside of like Giannis. I mean, um, they're not very young. Some of the, some of the depth kind of concerns me just because, you know, Middleton's out for Christ knows how long I'm sure they're going to hold them out way longer than they need to. Um, Ingles will probably be out till fucking February or March. So you have, that's two small forwards there that you, that you're down. So it's probably going to be, they're probably going to start Portis. I'm guessing, which I kind of hate, but I do get it. I mean, I love Bobby off the bench. That's, that's where he, that's where he thrives, but you know, he may be starting in the long term for all I know too. Um, but some of the, some of the, some of the depth does concern me a little bit, um, but that can be addressed probably at a, at a later date. Yeah. And I, I think you're all spot on. I, I agree. The depth is a little concerning and you hope well, that it's just like it, you have Wes Matthews who as uh, Ryan Rosillo said in there, the over under pod with Bill Simmons, you know, if you look at his numbers you're you know, you wonder how he plays in an NBA game. Now, for those of us, and I get that. I, I agree actually, but at times, but you know, there, God forbid somebody just plays within their role, you know? Right. Um, and you know, that, you know, not everybody needs to be a superstar player, but I do understand the, the sentiment that, you know, what does he do? Well, he irritates, you know, when he's out there for 15 minutes a game, he irritates the best guy in the court and, yeah, that's all you can do sometimes. But. Right, he's he's basically the PJ, the low cost PJ Tucker, the poor man's PJ Tucker. Like he's not, right. he's there to. He's a part part time PJ Tucker. Yeah, that's right. I love that part time PJ Tucker. Like he's there for vibes. He's there to play a little defense. He's there to piss you off a bit. Yeah, I I think the Bucks will be okay. I think that it's not anything to freak out about. I think preseason in the NBA matters the least, um, yeah. you know, and I think they're going to be just fine. And you look at their schedule and, and I know we'll dive into this more this weekend when we talk about this, but they're, they, they're seven of their first nine are at home. If yeah. they don't come out strong, then it's, then yeah, let's have that conversation. Let's figure out like, is this cause for concern? And I think what we learned last year is you have to value regular season a little bit more. So even though we're devaluing preseason, I think we learned our lesson not to just completely throw out the regular season because typically if it starts, if it keeps happening in the regular season, odds are it's going to bite you in the playoffs. It's very rare that it doesn't bite you in the playoffs. If it's something that is a consistent struggle for that team. Yeah. I mean, preseason matters next to zero, I'd say, in, in the NBA. Regular season is um, 
for a team in the Bucks situation, I think it doesn't matter as much. Again, you'd like to, I'd say, always stay in the top three um, just because you start getting around four, then, you know, something happens and you're the fucking fifth seed. Then you're on the road the whole time. And mm-hmm. I don't think you want that. No. Um, but yeah, I know you're, I'm looking at the schedule and obviously I've started a, a franchise in 2K with the Bucks. So I kind of do know the early schedule. It's, yep. you know, it's pretty easy uh, to start. And um, a lot of home games, a couple of OKC, a couple of Detroit games right out the gate. San Antonio in there, play a bunch of Atlanta early which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be like, I don't know, nine and three, you know, right away, or that might even be too conservative. Um, but you never know. It's weird. Again, you're missing Middleton and, you know, you know, Giannis is going to bring it, but again, they're going to have to try to, I'm sure they're going to be, um, cautious with, with, with everybody especially yeah. early and yeah and it's I, really I, hard it's I, I don't envy those guys trying to do over-unders for the whole fucking league <laughs> you know before the season starts when you have no idea what you're getting from you know it, it's across all sports at this point kind of the cautiousness and you know making sure that your your best players are at their best when they need to be and so, in other words, you don't know you you might only get sixty five games of Giannis, even though he's yeah. healthy. Right. Yeah, it's it it is a really delicate balance, right? And you you hope that maybe the Bucks sort of figure out a way that it's not it's not as significant, I guess. And how do you mitigate that? What are games that you should punt? What are games that you shouldn't? Are there ways where you could say, hey, maybe this is a punt, but in reality, we still could win this game with the pieces we have out there? I don't know. Well, and I was going to say, like, just, I don't know if you maybe start by not resting everybody in a game. I I feel like they've, they've done that a handful of games a year where you're basically forfeiting. And I don't know that that might matter. (laughs) I think it, I think it does matter. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I, I think that would be a great change, right? Is all right, Giannis has the night off, and but Drew's playing, and Grayson's playing, and Bobby's playing, and everything like that. And then another night, Drew has off, and maybe Bobby does too. And so it's just Giannis out there. Like, that's fine, right? Yeah. And and so I'm. Like we'll just see what happens. I do I'm, think that like that getting more than thirteen games from Brooke Lopez is gonna is oh, gonna help. You know, yeah, it'll be work. massive. Yeah, it will. It will be massive. I think we're all excited for the season to start. I can understand some people's concern. I I get it. it doesn't look good, but it's not. I don't think it's anything to freak out about. I really don't. And I I would I would not panic at this point. Um, there's yeah. no no reason to. Um, you got to wait till at least like the first quarter of the first game. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And like the other part of it, that's annoying in a sense is like, you do play Philadelphia and Brooklyn in your first two, first two or three games. Right. And there's just going to be takes that are flying. So many people are really high on Philadelphia. People are kind of waiting to see with Brooklyn. It's like, they can see 
the best case, but they can also see the worst case, and it's a wild spectrum with them. Like I, I don't think Philly's worst case is that much different than the Bucks. It's like if Embiid goes gets hurt, they're fucked. If the Bucks yeah. get hurt, if Giannis gets hurt, we're fucked, right? Yeah. So like, it, that to me is the other part of it that can sometimes fuck with fans' behavior because it's like we're watching these nationally televised games. And even if the Bucs were to lose both of them, which I hope they don't, but if they did, like, that's not a big deal. It sucks at the long run, but you still have other games against these teams. It just makes the games later in the year against Philadelphia and Brooklyn that much more important. And so yeah. well, that's, and that's, 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 oh, God. no, no, I said, well, that's what drives nuts, me nuts about, you know, the national standalone games. And I'm noticing it with like football narratives too, where it's oh, like, yeah. you just, you know, you write this, you write the book based on what you see, you know, on Christmas day or, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think, I, I hope nobody writes the entire season based off opening night, but shit, who knows? And, and you know, but it, it's so bad. It's like with that stuff. Oh yeah, dude, it's terrible. It's just, it's like, I don't want to overreact, but it's like, shut the fuck up. I understand like you got to create content and I get it. And I create content too, you know, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. But like, still, I, I try really hard not to be hot taking when I can. Like, I try to give reason and like, I feel like more people can. And also too, like the blatant like propaganda that's going, like Colin Coward about Draymond Green has been disgusting. Like, I, I mean, it's like, he's your, he's your coworker. You should recruit yourself from that situation. You should not be talking about Draymond Green. And then to be praising the way the Warriors did it, like, fuck all the way off, man. Like, it's just, I don't know. Got on a little bit of a tangent it's, it's, there. But... It's obvious. It's obvious with, with stuff. And I was thinking, too, like, I, I think, did Pat say something in our group chat about the Devontae Adam, the, the dude yeah. suing Devontae, or Devontae actually got charged? Charged with um, misdemeanor, yeah. And, and then... And he's like, what's the world coming to? And it's like, well, first of all, it's these fucking clown pecker insiders that have to go to Twitter and, okay, Devontae got charged. And then they're going to tweet out, like, the maximum penalty as if there's any chance he'll ever get the maximum penalty. I mean, but it gets, it gets you know, a thousand replies on Twitter in uh, one minute and it gets the engagement up. And it's just like everybody freaks out about it, but it's like, you're going to forget about this Devante thing by kickoff on Sunday. Right. I promise you. Yeah. It'll, it's, it was, it's kind of, I had a, we already, about, we, already for, we already forgot about Tua. Yeah. So. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because that's why I, I literally had this rant like a couple Fridays ago about Tua where I'm like, this out. And then that, and now, now you're really getting me going. But like, <laughs> the, all the roughing the passer stuff is because of fucking Tua. Because right. the NFL got embarrassed, so now we've swung the other way because the league, the one thing the league does not want to do is get embarrassed. So they're like, okay, we're not getting fucking embarrassed here, and we're going to call these bullshit roughing the passer calls. Yeah. it's And, and the NFL is always re- reactive, too. Like, oh, 100%. They always, they always want to wait and see what the reaction is to, to everything, and then they adjust from there instead of, I mean, everything. Ray I Rice, mean, go, pretty much going back to Ray Rice and like yeah, that whole every, yeah. everybody was getting in, tr- in trouble for domestic abuse, yeah. you know, every every uh, other week, 
for that one season. And, yes. You know. Uh, yes. And I will say on a happier note, what a fucking weekend of football. Like, yeah. it's – I love the fact that Bill's Chiefs is the late afternoon game. Uh, you know, that's very old school. That's like you know, all, all that's missing is John Madden and Pat Summerall calling the game. Like yeah. that's what that's what it used to be. That used to be the spot. And people some people are mad about it. That's like, oh, it should be a primetime game. It's like, do you really think CBS was gonna let NBC just have Bills and Chiefs? That was probably their like number one pick. Like they yeah. this, this is all like a draft, and that's it's way too into the weeds for this podcast, but it's like you got that. Cowboys Eagles, probably the best NFC East matchup in years. Usually the NFC East, I'm like, uh, here we go again, right? But yeah, there's there's something great about having like the best game of the week on that Sunday afternoon slot. I mean, where yeah. like it's pretty unequivocally like the best game of the week. And you know, you get a couple of those per year where it's like the game of the year. Yeah. And it, and it, it should be on Sunday afternoon. One of the things I did once to procrastinate a podcast and killed like I wasted probably a half an hour. I think I did this last Friday is I don't know if you know this, but like D506, you know, the one with the, the viewing yep. maps, yep. they have an archive where you can go back to like, just pick yeah. a year. Like, have you done that? Like it just um, went through and like, who's calling games and what were the prime time games? And like, I don't know. I did it for like a 97 and I just was like, Oh yeah. Cause like, you knew, and I know that season well because I was a Super Bowl year for the Packers. But like, it, it's like you're seeing, like, oh, okay. Of course, Madden Summerall doing all these Cowboys games, like, and that was the thing about Madden Summerall that they were in the bag for the Cowboys. That was that was a big thing back then. But yeah, man, and NBC crew was like Paul McGuire. I think it was Phil Sims and Dick Enberg. I think was the the, the number one NBC crew back in the, the late nineties. Yeah, those are the those were the and like Greg Gumble was like second. Now yeah. he's like he's been pushed down to like fourth or fifth. I incidentally now we're now we're getting off of like no. broadcast, but like it's geeky, but it's like I do love like I listen I've been listening to twelve fifty um through you know, for parts of the day and they'll have like fucking Adam Archuleta on the DA show in the morning and I'm like this dude's like the seventh color color commentator, like down the depth <laughs> chart. It's like, yeah. and they're 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 pumping like the Browns and Jets or something, and it's like, no one's watching that game. Come yeah, on. it's like, come on, man. There's like the view. You have the viewing area circumference of like Steve Casper's is right. a is a guest, and it's well, like, or James Lofton, another well, another like, deep one. To bring it back to Wisconsin, like all these Jets fans are psyched that uh, Burkhardt and Olson are calling the game this weekend. They're like, oh, we made it. Like, we're getting number one broadcaster treatment. Yeah. Like, and, and you think about that for us, like, this is what? To be our third Burkhardt and Olsen game. Yeah. I think this is our, like, out of all of our games this year, we've had a pretty, pretty much the premier broadcast team besides last week with Kugler and Mark Sanchez, who aren't bad. Um, Sanchez tries a little too hard, but I'm not surprised. Um, yeah. Some people like him, but I'm just like, yeah just tries a little hard i do think about that like there's so many packer fans out there that just like have no idea who some of these broadcasters are because the packers nine times out of ten are getting the one or two and you know i think maybe recently you know that 2018 season at the end there maybe early 2019 they got some you know but like the worst they're getting is like what kenny albert yeah i mean exactly so 
So uh, yeah. anyway, well, anyways, we gotta go. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed that little tangent at the end. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Bucks preview, and who knows? Maybe we'll go two. Maybe we'll go two for two this next week. I probably not because we'll see though. But anyways, we'll be uh back next week. We'll talk to you guys then. Enjoy the weekend. I'll be back with our usual Friday show, um, and look forward to that. And Mitch, we will uh, see you next week, bud. Sounds good. See you. Peace. Peace.